and welcome to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Thank you so much for joining us for another segment. In this segment, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Priya Kishnani. She's joining us here from Duke University Medical Center to discuss th- some recent data on Sanofi's next Viazyme. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Kishnani. Uh, thank you for having me. Give us a bit of your professional background. Tell us a little bit about yourself and talk briefly about your work at Duke University Medical Center. Sure. Uh, my name is Priya Kishnani, and by training, I'm a clinical and biochemical uh, geneticist uh, certified in pediatrics. I've been at Duke for the past uh, 30 years, and um, my career has been focused largely on lysosomal diseases and uh, glycogen storage diseases, and of course, many other rare diseases. Um, Our group uh, has really focused on um, our um, individuals and families with uh, Pompeii disease. Um, We really have worked from, you know, the time when there was no treatment for Pompeii disease to where now we have a choice of enzyme treatment for Pompeii disease. In fact, my mentor was the individual who worked largely on the first-generation enzyme therapy, IVL glucosidase alpha, and I was involved very closely from the beginning with uh, this whole drug development process from bench to bedside uh, until the FDA approval of IVL glucosidase alpha and beyond. What is Pompe disease and how prevalent is this condition? Uh, Pompe disease is um, caused by a deficiency of enzyme called acid alpha glucosidase. Um, and with this enzyme deficiency, there is a buildup of um, a sugar called glycogen in a cell type of the body called the lysosome. Um, as a result of this enzyme deficiency, glycogen continues to build in the lysosomes and over a period of time, lysosomal function is disrupted and also some of the lysosomes uh, can rupture or due to the shearing uh, action in muscles, it's broken down and all the materials from inside the lysosome, which is a number of um, acidic enzymes as well as this glycogen spills out into the cell. Thus, patients with uh, Pompe disease have um, significant involvement of the skeletal muscles, cardiac muscles, and also the smooth muscles of the body. And there is a whole continuum of disease um, severity and involvement depending on uh, the amount of residual enzyme that is remaining uh, due to this enzyme deficiency. So if it's completely deficient, babies present in infancy And if left untreated, um, the disease is lethal and they die within the first year of life. And then there is a continuum beyond that uh, where children and adults with what we call late onset Pompeii disease, that is those who do not have cardiac involvement in the first year of life can really present. Um, So really this is a very, um, it's a disease with significant uh, morbidity and early mortality. Um, and it's lethal in the infantile form where there is a, a thickness of the heart muscle. In terms of its prevalence, um, prior to newborn screening, we thought that the disease affected about 1 in 40,000 individuals. Since the advent of newborn screening for Pompe disease, 
disease frequency is now anywhere from 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 20,000, giving you an idea that we are definitely um, missing cases or have missed cases in the past, you know, prior to newborn screening. Is it relatively easy to identify? Is it often misdiagnosed or is it relatively simple to make that uh, diagnosis? Pompe disease is um, misdiagnosed. Um, and if I can just give you um, an idea of this, even for the infantile form, which I hope I clarified earlier, is the form which has a marked thickening of the heart muscle or um, cardiomyopathy. And when I talk about it, if the upper limits of normal of what we say the left ventricular mass index is 64 grams per meter squared, and a baby with Pompe disease can be even up to 400 to 600 grams per meter squared. So the heart is occupying the entire chest cavity. Even in those situations, a diagnosis can be missed uh, by a few months. And um, these babies, as we know now, present right at birth, but often a diagnosis is not made until they are five or six months of age. Mm. So there is a misdiagnosis and a diagnostic delay there. And if you think that the median age of death is one year, you've got a very short window of time for a therapeutic intervention because the disease has advanced and progressed so rapidly. Now, when we talk about the rest of the disease spectrum or late onset Pompeii disease, they can present anywhere from the first year of life to as late as the sixth decade. And by this, I mean that there's probably a diagnostic uh, odyssey or a misdiagnosis. And amongst the children with late onset Pompeii disease, this diagnostic odyssey can last upwards of 12 years. And for adults with late onset Pompeii disease, it can be as much as um, six years, but even beyond that. Um, so the features of at least the late onset form of Pompe disease without cardiac involvement um, shares features with many other conditions like limb girdle muscle dystrophy. Often these um, patients are misdiagnosed as polymyositis. And for the children, they're often just misdiagnosed as developmental delay. Mm. And um, this journey continues until, you know, uh, physicians recognize that these children are continuing to not do well or are actually declining in their motor skills. Uh, and that's what sometimes brings them finally to the clinical attention of a pediatric geneticist or to a neurologist. And then a referral is made to us as a geneticist. Tell us about the phase three comet trial briefly, if you would. The uh, information was presented at the 18th annual World Symposium concerning next viazine. Um, so this is a next generation enzyme uh, therapy. The principles for it is similar to like providing insulin to a patient with diabetes, so providing the missing enzyme. For the enzyme in Pompe disease to target the skeletal muscles, which is where the disease burden is um, significantly felt and where we need clearance of the lysosomal glycogen, appropriate targeting is needed. And for that, the recombinant enzyme, um, the first generation was called alglucosidase alpha or lumicine, um, had one sugar tag called manosyxphosphate, which was um, 
you know, in the recombinant enzyme and that targeted the skeletal muscle. That is actually poor targeting. And in order to allow for more efficient delivery of the enzyme to skeletal muscle, this next generation enzyme therapy has more sugar tags. So up to 15, you know, per molecule instead of one. So it has many more sugar tags to it or mannose-6-phosphate or bismannose-6-phosphate tags, allowing it for more efficient targeting to the skeletal muscle. So that was the principle on which IV next biozyme was uh, developed. Is there anything that you'd like to add or, or give us some of the major takeaways of the COMET trial? So the COMET trial was in uh, patients who had not been exposed to enzyme therapy, and they were randomized one is to one uh, between standard of care alveolicosidase alpha and next biozyme or avalglucosidase alpha. Um, close to 100 patients were um, recruited across many countries and many sites, you know, and the primary endpoint for the study was non-inferiority um, to post-vital capacity as a percent predicted, which is a very important monitoring um, aspect in Pompeii disease because um, there's significant involvement of the diaphragm and respiratory muscles. So individuals on Arval glucosidase alpha or next enzyme um, showed a 2.43% predicted improvement as compared to standard of care patients with glucosidase alpha. In addition, the six-minute walking distance showed a 30-meter improvement compared to standard of care glucosidase alpha. And in addition, what I presented was patient-reported outcome measures, which were both generic measures as well as a Pompe disease-specific measures that were used. And all these measures also aligned with the data that was collected as part of the clinical trial primary endpoint, which was the forced vital capacity. And improvements were noted in all these patient-reported outcomes, all favoring avalglucosidase alpha compared to avalglucosidase alpha. So the point to make here is that the patient voice, you know, has been for the first time used in these clinical trials um, using Pompe disease-specific scales. And in those, improvements were noted in aspects which are important to a patient with Pompe disease, such as fatigue, pain, um, activities of daily living, uh, morning headaches, um, weakness, um, etc. Well, where can our listeners go and get some more information about this study and about Sanofi as well? Um, I do believe that the information on the um, clinical trial is now published in Lancet Neurology. And in terms of the patient-reported outcome measures, um, that data is still unpublished, but I think would be available through the World Symposium website. Well, thank you, Dr. Kishnani, for joining us here on Health Professional Radio this morning. Thank you. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Priya Kishnani. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Listen in, download it, SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.